Hello, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each day at about 9 a.m., uh, or if you listen or watch later in the day or call into our phone service uh, whenever you join us, it's fine. Um, we come to you each day to pray, confess, sing, uh, and rejoice in the gift of God's Word for us. All right, um, let's see. Any announcements? I don't think so. So let us begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay. Um, I think, well, yeah, no, I don't think, I know. I mentioned that there are other ways uh, to sing or to pray the psalmody. Uh, one of those is actually in a paraphrase form, um, and this is a the uh, Scottish metrical Psalter. Um, you know a few of these from our Lutheran service book, as I mentioned earlier this week. Actually, if you go into the back of the hymnal, there's an index of, of topics, but you can actually find psalm paraphrases, and they list, um, unfortunately, not the whole Psalter, but uh, I don't know, probably a dozen or 15 of them. All right, so I just pulled this from the uh, public domain version of the Scottish Psalter for Psalm 84. And it's metrical, meaning um, this one is in common meter, so you could sing it to the tune of Gilligan's Island if you want. A lovely is a dwelling place, O Lord, of hosts to me. Tabernacles of the gates of pleasant Lord to me. Yeah, no, you could sing it to Gilligan's Island. Um, I don't think we'll use that for our tune today. <laughs> There's lots of common meter tunes uh, in Lutheran service book. We're not going to sing it. We're going to speak it. So it might come off a little sing-songy, but that's, uh, well, that's what metrical psalters are meant to do so that it's easily sung. All right. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts to me. The tabernacles of thy grace, how pleasant, Lord, they be. My soul longs vehemently, yea, faints thy courts to see. My very heart and flesh cry out, O living God, for thee. Behold, the sparrow findeth out an house wherein to rest. The swallow also for herself hath purchased a nest. In thine own altars, where she's safe, her young ones forth may bring. O thou almighty Lord of hosts, who art my God and King, blessed are they in thy house that dwell, they ever give thee praise. Blessed is the man whose strength thou art, in whose heart are thy ways. Who passing through Baca's vale, therein do dig up wells. Also the rain that falleth down, the pools with water fills. So they from strength unwearied go, still forward unto strength, until in Zion they appear before the, God, the Lord at length. Lord God of hosts, my prayer hear. O Jacob's God, give ear. See, God, our shield, look on thy, the face of thine appointed dear, anointed dear, excuse me. For in thy courts one day excels a thousand, rather in my God's house will I keep a door than dwell in tents of sin. For God, the Lord's a son, a shield, he'll grace and glory give, and will withhold no good from them that uprightly do live. O thou art, oh, excuse me, O thou that art the Lord of hosts, that man is truly blessed who by assured confidence on thee alone doth rest. Now I'm trying to think of Gloria Patri. Um, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him 
Son, um, here below, praise him, the Holy Spirit be, um, to thee forever, eternally, or something. <laughs> right? Yeah, so um, there's also metrical Gloria Patris as well. I didn't grab one of those. All right, uh, it's pretty faithful rendering. I know it's a paraphrase, but yet um, I think I think faithful at it. All right, not every paraphrase is going to be so faithful. This one surely is. All right. Our memory verse for the week. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. Psalm 130, verses 3 through 5. All right. Catechism. What is confession? Conf- confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is, forgiveness, from the pastors, from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. What sins should we confess? Before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we're not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts, which are these. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? All right. First reading is from John chapter 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, um, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, or stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. All right, so we'll hear that, of course, explicitly confessed next week as part of uh, the Office of the Keys. Uh, but here, you'll have this in context uh, for, uh, well, the concluding part of David's transgression. And now Nathan confronts David. Second Samuel chapter 12. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There are two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. He ate, it ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, You have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. I will will take your wives from before your eyes, and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives, 
in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has also put away your sin, you shall not die. However, because by the deed you have given an occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore David, or bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went down to his own house, and when he had re- he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you rose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah, because of the Lord. All right, what a story, huh? So yesterday we heard the first part, of course, um, David's transgression. Today we hear, um, well, David, what was he missing before? Nathan, his pastor, right? So rather than fall victim to his temptation, to his lust, um, and go and confess, instead he held on to it, and it led to sin and greater sin until deeper, deeper still he fell, and his life became, as Luther would say, a living hell. All right, but now the Lord sent Nathan to David. He tells a story. Um, of course, this is a story that uh, begs uh, the king's judgment, the king who would sit in judgment, um, does not say, and he told him a parable. Of course, we recognize it as a parable um, because it's um, uh, allegorical, right? It doesn't actually um, correspond one-to-one to David's situation, but it gets the point across, right? So he told the story of the rich man who, with a large number of sheep and cattle and a poor man with only one small ewe lamb. The traveler came to the rich man. The rich man refrained from taking from his own sheep or cattle greedily to prepare a meal for the traveler. Instead, he took of the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who come, had come to him, all right? So there, the connections are, are quite clear. Uh, the poor man is Uriah, the rich man is David, and the ewe is Uriah's wife. Uh, I'm not so sure about the other connections. I suppose you could try to make something of it, right? But again, the story begs David's judgment. Uh, it's almost as if Nathan's bringing to him a situation that's happened, and he wants the king to uh, give a verdict. So David's judgment or verdict is, uh, in anger, he says that the man who had done this should surely die. And additionally, um, the man should pay back fourfold for the lamb because he had no mercy. All right? Uh, and your judgment is, is good. <laughs> it's true. Um, so Nathan says, you are the man. Oops. Yeah, I stepped into that one, didn't he? Um, this is uh, Nathan being clever, I suppose. Um, wise as serpents, innocent as doves. And so um, now David is accused rightly of having transgressed um, the word of the Lord, right? He despised the commandment of the Lord, committing adultery and murder. Um 
God is going to exercise then tem- temporal judgment as well, right? Um, and this is partly uh, because this is what God does. Um, the consequence of our sin is known to us, right? Even through, even though it brings us to confession, uh, we still have to bear with what um, what we've done, at least in this life. Not certainly not eternally, though. So adultery and murder means um, first um, the adultery portion. One of David's own house would take his wives and lie uh, with them before all Israel. Right, and this will be fulfilled not too many chapters from now, just four chapters from now, when uh, Absalom would come into Jerusalem after David's escape and do this very thing. Um, of course, this is the purpose of the law. The law is given um, to accuse us and to destroy our pride. Right? Uh, it's also meant to restrain us, but we know that's the failed use. Um, it works for a time or in a place, but um, when the temptation becomes too great, of course it fails. And I suppose it also is to guide us in the way we should go as Christians. All right? But the chief use here is to accuse and to destroy, to kill. And David does, right? Or it does bring David to that. I have sinned against the Lord, right? There's his confession. And Nathan's response, absolution. The Lord has put away the sin, right? Of course, the consequence is that the child that is born to you will surely die. This teaches us about confession quite a bit, doesn't it? God desires that we hear and believe the word of absolution when we have confessed our sin. Um, forgiveness is given without any conditions. Now, of course, there's consequence for sin, right? but no conditions on the absolution, on the forgiveness before God. Um, and then Nathan says quite explicitly that uh, it's because David holds public office um, on, and serves on behalf of God that um, he has given occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme. Ha, look, he serves God, but he doesn't even follow God's word, right? Um, so this is why great shame and scandal is often brought upon uh, pastors who sin, because um, of their public office, and that God uh, publicly then rebukes them and shows them their sin. Um, it's a special burden for those who are in the preaching office, I think, that um, um, when their sin is, is confessed and forgiven, um, they, may, they may have to leave the office of the ministry, um, they may um, have to make public apology and suffer the shame of it, I'm, it, but it's also that whatever their sin is does not get in the way of the preaching of the gospel in that place. All right, so um, the child, after Nathan leaves, becomes ill, according to the word of the Lord, right? David, though, pleads for the child, um, fasting night and day, laying on the ground at night. Um, Why? Because prayer always seeks the mercy of God. So even though he has a word that the child will die, it doesn't say immediately. Um, So David intercedes that maybe the Lord will forestall his judgment for a time, right? Um, Fasting, of course, is going without food and water. The child dies, though. Um, again, according to the word of the Lord, on the seventh day. Son of David dying on the hmm, in a week? Within a week? Interesting. <laughs> May remind you of another son of David, doesn't it? Uh, how does David react to the news? Quite surprisingly, right? He washes himself, anoints himself, and, and changes his clothes, and goes to the house of the Lord in worship. All the language of baptism, right? Um, think, as, as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, 1 Corinthians, right? Right. Um, Notice, though, this is a surprising reaction, but it shows what David believes, what he confesses in faith, right? And he says it explicitly here uh, in verse 22. While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Of course, the answer is no. But I shall go to him, even though he shall not return to me, right? So he bases his hope on the Lord's mercy and grace, and now he feasts to mark that the life the child now has, David confessing the resurrection of the body, right? Um, this is why the funeral dinner 
uh, is actually um, so appropriate, right? We see it mimic. We, we're actually mimicking David. Um, I, I've kind of mocked the idea of a celebration of life um, because it's often celebration of the life now dead. Um, but those, the funeral it does have a celebration of life, the life that we have in Christ, the resurrection of the body, and eternal life. So we do, of course, celebrate that for the one who has died in the Lord. All right, as David does here. Uh, what does God give to David and Bathsheba then? A son. Um, and this time, um, he, rather than lay with her, it says he, he went into her, he came into her. Right? So this is a legitimate um, sexual intercourse here. Um, well, I don't know. It's used for negative too elsewhere in the Bible. right? But it's legit. This is David's son. Notice she's called Bathsheba again, not Uriah's wife. Right? Um, and the child is called Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, uh, which would be a good name for um, Christians. We should call it one another Jedidiah, beloved of the Lord. Um, because that's, of course, what God the Father said of Jesus at his baptism and at his transfiguration. He identified him as the beloved Son. And who does Jesus call his beloved? Yet yeah, you and I in our baptism. So we are all Jedediah, beloved of the Lord. What a lovely ending, huh? All right. Nathan did not offer the gospel of the forgiveness of sins until he had destroyed David with the law, or rather the Spirit did it. The law always accuses when it is used properly. God kills with the law that he might make alive with the gospel. The gospel always absolves, forgives. When the law destroys our pride, we do not put ourselves back together again. Humpty Dumpty. Only the forgiveness of sins restores men. Nathan did not assign a penance to David, that is, require him to do anything. Nathan simply spoke the word of God's forgiveness as the called servant of the Lord. It is this forgiveness that restores David to faith and also restores all sinners. Faith then clings to the grace of God in the face of death itself. David pled for the Lord's mercy upon the child even if he should die, and David did not see him again until the day of resurrection. When we have restored to faith, have been restored to faith by the word of absolution, we have the same confidence in the resurrection as David, because we have been washed in baptism, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and clothed in Christ's righteousness for the day of the heavenly feast. All right, let's sing uh, the first few stanzas of our hymn. Actually, let's sing the last two. Yeah, let's sing the last two. This will connect well with um, the story here.
us pray. O God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by your power we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Lord, I give you thanks and praise that you have forgiven me all my sin as a free gift of your grace. You died for me because you love me, and you rose from the dead so that I might receive the gift of salvation and walk in newness of life. By your forgiveness, teach me to renounce the devil, to deny myself, and to live a holy life in the joy and confidence that my sins are forgiven. Amen. I pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray this week for all the households of our church, but especially with Randall, John, and Linda, Timothy and Amber, Rachel, Garrett and Jenny, Ron and Janet. Continue to praise God for the gift of healing for Wendell. We also want to thank God um, for um, the work of Mr. LeClaire and all those who helped tear down over across the street in painting. Uh, he's just about done tomorrow. Um, he should be done. So uh, thanks be to God for that. We also pray for our catechumens. Pray for, for all those who are ill, who have ongoing treatments, or who are recovering from illness. Ralph, Allison, Joe, Dennis, Len, Christopher, Brad, and Ron, Carol, Mike, Doug, Donna, Sandy, Owen, Vicki, BJ, Jolene, and President Willie. Pray for our homebound, Marcy, Dan, Lenore, Joan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of our mission of the month, Sheboygan Lutheran High School. Um, also for the stewardship efforts uh, in Southwest Constant District and also in the LCMS. Continue to ask, the God, to give us, ask God to give us new students. Uh, for our school to enroll um, next year, for next year, and that God would continue to gather all the lost sheep of his flock into um, Christian congregations, uh, especially those who have um, have wandered away from this flock, that, he be, that they be restored. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, it's been good to have you with us here for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer on God's Word. Um, it is February 9th, 2024, Friday, and uh, you can join us again tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll look at the Old Testament and Epistle reading for Sunday, the last Sunday of the uh, Gesematide. So uh, this will be Quinquagesima, which is the f most fun one to say. And of course, uh, make plans um, to attend every Wednesday uh, for Lent, as uh, we've agreed upon as a congregation that we gather, um, especially during Lent and Advent uh, for midweek service. Uh, that'll be this coming week, Ash Wednesday, which is rightly a festival of the church. All right, so I hope you can join us for that. Make plans even today. Uh, a meal beforehand, by the way. So meal and then uh, divine service at 630. All right, God be with you all, keep you safe, and we'll see you again tomorrow. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. 
If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.